Babs are all behind me. The love magnet. That's what somebody somebody left that for me. The, I'm a love magnet. <laughs> I actually like that. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. Happy Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. I'm a love magnet. I, I, I'm just a love magnet. <laughs> I, I don't know why I find that amusing, but I, I, I like it. I like that people think that way about me. That's that's a good, that's a good. I mean, some people think I'm a witch on wheels, but that's okay. The 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 love magnet piece is gonna stick. I love it. I mean, I you know, I I I, I use love babs because even the people who hate me have to say it. <laughs> even if they hate me, when they call the title, when they call my email, when they call, they gotta they gotta use it, they gotta say it. <laughs> so that's where we are. Uh, yesterday, my knee was, I, you know, the last several days, my knee has been awful, like pain. I finally popped by the doctor and he was like, just stay off of it. You know, there's no, da- there's no damage to it. It's just, it's just inflamed, right? Just, you're just doing a lot of walking. It's not used to it. Just, you know, cut it down a little bit and then build back up. So I didn't walk at all yesterday. And the day before, I didn't walk either because it, it hurt so much. Uh, but then this morning, I woke up. I was like, oh, this is great. So rest is medicine. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Rest is medicine. And I took a little Tylenol, but, you know, not, no nothing to write home about. I didn't take it around the clock. I just took some Tylenol once yesterday and uh, once the day before. And this morning, I, I know the knee is still sore, right? But it doesn't hurt. Like it's just a little bit of knee knee action going on, but it doesn't hurt. So I'm very I'm very excited about that. You know, I, I'm still still a little sad. I'm still underneath heartbreak. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's a real emotion. I, I'm a grown up. I can deal. You know, as I said yesterday, it was necessary. Uh, it was coming. It has been coming. Uh, I, 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 I do believe, I do believe that there needs to be a reset and a recommitment to different boundaries. But that'll come much later. You know, we're, we're not over. We're just ending this part of the story, but the larger story remains intact. Um, and no harm has been like, I wasn't harmed or nothing, nothing like that. It's just a, a, any, any decision with somebody that you love that, that calls for an ending of things is going to be painful. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I mean, even, even if, if he was moving across the country, it would be painful, you know, or I was moving across the country or, or, or I died. <laughs> it's it's gonna, it's gonna be painful. You cannot have this kind of love and, and not have equal amount of pain when it ends. And it, and I, I don't even like saying end cause it's not ending. It's, you know, just gonna reimagine what we are to each other and 
and that'll be from you know for from a long time from now nothing nothing right now nothing needs to be decided now you know there needs to be uh, uh, some real space given some real space taken and that's what we're going to do so so I'll keep you posted I, I I feel the weight of it I I feel the heaviness of, of it you know I I I was in this place where I was like, man, I got to call him up so we could talk about this, <laughs> this meaning <laughs> what we're doing. And I was like, that makes no sense. <laughs> and it's habit because I'm so used to talking to him all the time. And, and I, that's fine. But I, I feel really good about taking this break. I I, I do. I feel like this was right, you know, and it's not like I, I didn't see see this coming. Like I, I probably saw this coming a year ago, you know, maybe maybe a year ago. Like I, I, I could feel shifting and uh, and rightly so. Right. Like that's. Yeah. So so I could I, I felt it and I felt it not because of anything that he did or I did. It's just that intuitively i could feel the shifting um so the capstone was the weekend and uh it is a matter whatever there there was no real i i, I don't I, I don't think there was a real catalyst in this much like the, the the person was not the catalyst that that wasn't the catalyst so Anyway, I'm a I'm gonna leave it alone, and I'm I'm gonna move through. So, I like being called a love magnet. <laughs> I like that very much. <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna take it on. I'm gonna add it to my two box of things that get me through uh, a love magnet. I am a love magnet. So, anyway. Uh, we're marching through to MLK weekend, and you know, for for black black people, MLK weekend ushers in Black History Month. <laughs> you know, we just get started early, so we we march right into uh, Black History Month right after MLK. And so I have my copy of, um, uh, of course, with my with my. Uh, Y'all know who that is, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, my uh, bookmark in the uh, MLK book. And this is the book I was talking about yesterday, although yesterday I read excerpts from a uh, letter from Birmingham jail, which everyone should read. And, and now is a good time to read it, you know, because he's talking to all the people who who, who um, wanting him to stop the marches and the protesting and wait for negotiation and change to come another kind of way. And, and, and at each turn when they did that, uh, nothing happened, you know? Um, and, and there was a lot of people who was against what he was doing. So, you know, I, this whole elder statesman vibe that people got in their hearts and minds and use um, in, in the very wrong way, uh, it's just crap. So... <laughs> He was radical in his thinking and doing. Uh, but anyway, from chaos to community, where do we go from here, chaos or community? 
And uh, and, I, and I think I think this is a uh, one of probably one of the best books on on the state of things. Uh, I, I I still think this book is relevant right now. Like I would put him and Baldwin and Malcolm all all together. They would they would they would be electrifying even right now because the times the times we are in all oh, the times we are in. Um, we're still asking the questions. We're still asking these questions. You know, I would put him and Marcus Garvey and Baldwin. Oh, I mean, I, I would just put them in a the room. Um, Dorothy Height, um, uh, you know, Lonnie Guineer. I would put all these people in a room and and watch them work, you know, to just, I, there's so many people in history, our history I would just put in the mix you know, from from various stages of history, and see, you know, what what we could get into. That that's the that's where I think virtual reality could do some damn good if we could just all step into a space where we could have all these characters in the room doing what they do best, which is, you know, uh, discernment, um, uh, pushback, questioning. I, that for me. That's what makes an intellectual an intellectual, the willingness to go down um, roads less traveled, you know, and to and to broach things that might be hard. I I personally like the challenges of the hard things. I, I do. Um, uh, but I but I, I don't I don't like having race conversations with people who are not prepared to have race conversations i don't want to have race conversations with people who are all willy-nilly and and just you know they don't got no black friends they don't they don't know nothing about black they don't know nothing so i i don't have conversations of race with white people who who don't have any understanding or grounding uh about what it means to be american black in america and the history of america uh, across all all these lands and so i so and and I I remember someone said that that was harsh, and I and I I, I and and white people will say it's harsh because they think we owe them some some support around bringing history to them, you know. I <laughs> I, I don't I'm not in that camp. You could Google anything. Amazon will send you anything. Have them send you some books. <laughs> And even if you think these books are far leaning to the left or whatever, you can you can read some other books. You know, you can you can read them and still glean something. You know, I, I, I people who say that kind of stuff, people who say stuff like that are just people who have no real grasp on history or 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 the nature of racism. When people say that, because they they feel they fill in the conversation with nonsense you know and when people start you know throwing in uh, uh you know their political stunts then you know then i know they're not serious intellectuals then i know they're not seriously interested in conversation it's just they don't have anything else to say and so they have to fill fill the air with that foolishness that's all right I, I don't talk to those people either. 
Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, if I if I talk to Republicans, I talk to Republicans who got who make sense. And there's a few of them that do. There's a few of them that are smart. There's a few of them that really sort of um, don't don't play that game that other Republicans are playing right now. Um, so I, 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 I will listen and talk to them. But beyond that, I don't really like to have political conversations with people who don't really know politics. I, it's just a waste of my time. And and it and it and it makes me mad because I feel like I have to spend a lot of time re-explaining and re-educating on basic stuff like history. <laughs> so I so I, I so I just I just leave it to other people to just have those those kinds of conversations. I do like doing pundits because that was always fun because we were just having fun about a lot of things even though we were serious. It was seriously fun. And uh, and and I I dug it, you know. I mean, we could laugh and joke about it. We could laugh about the hypocrisy of, of of Democrats and Republicans and all that. But we but we also understood, you know, that people were playing a different game around politics than than what we were doing. So anyway, interesting. Um, my phone is ringing. I don't know why people feel the need to call me at nine o'clock. Every day. <laughs> I like y'all know I'm not gonna answer this phone, but maybe they'll just leave, you know, they'll leave a message. And uh uh they'll just leave me a message like call me back, call me this and that and the other thing, call me back. I was like, okay, I'll call you back. Uh, or they'll leave me a message, you know. Because there are some people that I have to call back and uh from yesterday. Cause I I tell you, I went. To, I laid down last night. I had a good conversation with my my good friend Sarah Lulu, and then I and then I went to sleep. Uh, I just I just fell asleep, and uh, I was just. I, I woke up and I woke up. It was it had to be like nine o'clock. I was like, why am I? <laughs> I had a whole other plan. I, I had a plan to come home and do some stuff, and then. Next thing I know, I was out like a light. So I was like, okay. I was out like a light. So I guess I must have been really, really tired. I, I think I was. I think, you know, the thing the thing about being um, tired is uh, like Saturday night, I was so, so saddened that um, I didn't sleep. And then Sunday, I went to bed. I didn't sleep. Um, so my body's probably just catching up to itself. So I was like, all right, I'll sleep. I'm drinking water this morning, which is nice. Which is nice to drink some water. So I have made some headway on my uh, YDS application. I got all the all the pieces are pulled together. So I just gotta I just gotta make it all work and then uh, upload everything. Like my resume, I looked at it. It looks fine. Um, my personal statement, I'll look at it again today, make sure I finish that out. And I'm working on this, on this, um, academic essay and, uh, and it has to be five pages, 12, 12 point font, um, double spaced. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I got into it yesterday and I feel like as I was working on it, that I had such a good vibe about it. So I left it there so I wouldn't bring it home. Because home is just not a place where I want to be doing work. 
And, and you know, my goal yesterday was to do some work um, on the LSAT, but I'm going to do that today after I, after I get off. I have a meeting sometime or other today. I think it's, I think it's the Long Wharf meeting. Uh, strategic meeting or something. So I have that. I have that this evening, uh, which is fine. It's you know they never go more than an hour anyway. So so I can handle that, and uh, I could get into whatever I need to get into. So that's what I'm gonna do, and uh, I think that's a good plan. Lord. All right. I have to give her a call back. I'm sorry. I was answering my phone because I, I think this was, uh, I met somebody at the Arsenal's Idea Gallery Gala. I had on some dress. I had on a pink dress. No, I didn't have on a dress. I had on a sparkly sequin top. Pink. Hot pink. Anyway, I'll call her back. I think she had on the red dress that I liked. Anyway, now I'm intrigued. Now I'm interested. So I'll call her back. So anyway, I, I'm working on the YDS application. It's going well, I think. I feel, you know, when I look back at when I did it three years ago, I I, I don't think I would have accepted me either because I was just all over the place. I didn't have any real cohesive thought about nothing. I was just dreamy-eyed. Now I'm really focused about what I'm trying to do uh, and, and, and why this is necessary at this particular time. Like I'm, I'm really into it. So, so, and I think it looks, looks that way. So we'll see. I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> uh, I feel really good about it. Uh, so maybe um, I, I would like to try to pop over by the bookstore today, but I don't think I'm going to get there today. Unless I got this long war external relations um, committee meeting at four. And then uh, tomorrow, Planned Parenthood strategic meeting at four. And then mm, I'm having a, a late afternoon catch up with uh, Addis Castillo, uh, who has been mentoring me through this LSAT process. And, uh, and then I get my nails done on Friday. I'm loving my nails, uh, having my nails done. And, and I'm letting them grow, which is weird for me because I, I never in my life like long nails, never. But Sammy has convinced me to let her strengthen them and let them grow. I don't think I like it though. I think I'm going to go back to short, short, short nails. I don't know. I just feel like I could just move about the world better with short nails. Anyway, so anyway, back to um, MLK stuff. <sighs> There's a lot of it. The Beinecke on Monday has, is going to have an exhibit of some of the things that they have of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, the inner city will be running specific things about MLK in the paper this week, next week. You know, but, but you know, we, we, not, we don't hold to MLK. We run MLK stuff all the time. <laughs> 365 <laughs> but for for y'all who who only get with with um 
MLK during this week, fine. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different things going on, uh, and and no reason why people can't uh, partake in something because there's stuff going on, you know. Uh, and and I don't even know everything that's going on. I'm like I know after the fact I will miss some things. I'm like oh my god, I missed that. Oh my god, I missed that. Yes, yes, that's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna miss a lot of that. I'm gonna miss a lot of that. So. Uh, I'm supposed to go to the doctors, I think, tomorrow, but I think I'm going to reschedule that. Uh, no, for no reason other than I don't, I don't, I don't feel like going. <laughs> I, need, I need another little week before I go deal, before I get into the routine of going through my whole team and dealing with them and running tests. I just don't, I just don't feel like it. So I, I'll, I'm going to put it off. And 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 they know how I am. Like they don't they don't they don't mind so much. So I don't know. If we're gonna have word on the street today. I like to think that we will have word on the street because I think if we have word on the street today, it's our 100th episode. Because yesterday was our 99th. So and it was a lovely British woman um, from London uh, whose roots are from Dominica, and I was in Dominica last February. So. I think that's a a good sign that she's gonna get this job. I, I don't even know, but um, and I love Dominica. It's not it's not very developed in the sense like it's not like Jamaica. When you go to Jamaica, there's like resorts and blah 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 and all this kind of stuff. Dominica does not have a whole lot of that, um, but it's very beautiful and lush. You know, it it is very very lush. Oh. And and the and the airport is the shortest airport in the Caribbean. So when you fly over the mountains, the airport is right there. So you could easily just crash. <laughs> and and it, and if and if you and if you don't make the mountains, you will be in the ocean because the ocean is just over the mountains, just alongside the mountains. So. They they pull it off though because we land we took off and landed landed and took off so uh, but it was very beautiful there uh, and I was newly I was still uh, having hip issues so I couldn't do a whole lot of walking so it was quite it was still a little bit challenging for me to to move but I you know I did it because it was beautiful I mean it was just lovely lovely we went to the beach and. I mean, it was just a day. We had a good day. Good time. I walked the beach. It's nice to walk. Sand is a great, when, you, when you're when recovering from any orthopedic thing, sand is a nice way to, to walk on because it kind of, it just levels, levels you out. Um, so it was really nice. Uh, but I, I enjoyed Dominica. I'm glad I got to go. So I don't know. I, the next trip is Marrakesh. That is the next trip. That is the next trip. And uh, we are planning it and making decisions. And, you know, I've got a couple of things that I, I want to do and people can do them with me. But for the most part, people can sort of, you know, do their own thing. They could get go shopping, go explore, go do romance. You know, be be um, in Morocco 
be Moroccan, you know, do all the things. That's what I'm inviting people to do. I don't know about, I, I don't I don't really have a hard, fast itinerary. We're not wearing t-shirts. We're not moving as a unit like that. We're just going to go celebrate, have a good time and just be fabulously black in Morocco and North Africa. So that's the, that is the itinerary so far. We'll see how it all, we'll see how it all pans out. <laughs> it's going to be good. I have every, I have every, every belief that it's going to be a good time. And, uh, and I like all the people that's going, you know, these are people who I see on a regular basis anyway. Um, these are the same people I see here, which is nice. So now I'm just going to see them there. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, so I I uh, I, I don't know. I haven't heard from uh, Paul yet about word on the street. He might be out there pounding the pavements. I think it's unusually still warm out. Uh, we've not had. Uh, we probably get some rain at the end of the week. So anyway, I I don't have to tell you. So we'll see. But um, I did want to. Uh, uh, I've been thinking a lot about um, poetry and, you know, I love lots of poetry. And you know, I bought Lu- Lucille Clifton books and I bought Joy Hard- Harjo. I had a really good dream last night and I was in a tropical place. and. Uh, I was very happy. <laughs> and it was just one of these dreams, like, it felt like a dream. Like, it wasn't a full dream from, like, beginning to end. I felt like I, I just started dreaming it halfway in. Like, the, like there was no beginning to the dream. I just walked into the dream. It's like an everyday kind of thing. And, uh... It was just nice. <laughs> it was just, it was just, uh, it was just a nice feeling. I was just like, okay, this is nice. But I, I, I'm saying this because when I woke up, I was smiling. So I think that's a good sign. You know, I think that's a good sign. I woke up and I was smiling. <laughs> and how do I know I was smiling? Because I know when I'm smiling. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> I was like, that really wasn't a dream that made any sense to anything, to anybody. But it was, um, it was lovely. It was lovely, it's lovely, it's lovely. I just picked up this book. I had this book, I had this book for quite some time. And I have this book, um, Out of Wonder, Poem Celebrating Poets by Kwame Alexander, who I'm a fr- fan of Kwame Alexander, with, with uh, Chris uh, Colderly and Marjorie Wentworth. But I picked up this book because I'm a bigger fan of Ikua Holmes. Uh, I bought this book. I don't know. I must have bought this book. Oh, gosh. A, a while ago. A good while ago. Uh, And I bought it because, one, I like poems. And two, um, it's so pretty. 
So this book of poetry, what they did was they took a collection of original poems celebrating 20 beloved poets from around the world. And then they interpret they interpret the poem in a poem with a poem, which I just which I just uh, loved. I still love it. And the colors are just rich and beautiful and just makes me happy. You know, and I got, you know, my Angelo, Basho, Gwendolyn Brooks, Sandra Cisneros, Billy Collins, E.E. E. Cummings, Emily Dickinson, Robert Frost, Chief Dan George, Nikki Giovanni, Terrence Hayes, Langston Hughes, Walter D. Myers, Pablo Neruda, Naomi Shahib Nye, Mary Oliver, Okat B. Bitek, Rumi, William Carlos Williams, and Judith Wright. Um, but they're just so illustrated beautifully. And it's, you know, it's a substantial size book. So um, I don't think of it as a children's book at all. I think of it as a, a, a book of poetry that's beautifully illustrated. Um, so, so I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying that because I, I saw it and uh, I pulled it out of, um, out of its hiding place yesterday. And I was like, oh, this little gem of a book. I love this. So, yes. Anyway, ugh. it's Tuesday and it's January and it is ridiculously warm. It's so warm. And I'm saying that as a surprise, not as a complaint. <laughs> Huh? I'm not going to complain. I'm going to keep this good weather. I'm going to keep this good weather. I'm not, I'm not complaining. So I think what I'm going to do at some point is gather all my poetry books and put them in one place. Like, I think it's time to sort of segregate my books, which I don't, at this point in my life, I don't even know how that's even going to fly. It's like, you know, I, I live in a, a um, storage unit have <laughs> so so much stuff and uh and i i've been thinking about paring it down i don't i don't know how i don't know when uh but but it does cross my mind because i'm a maxim maximalist maximalist so i have to think about that i have to think about that because i i live with a lot of things and a lot of these things in here are not my thing so i have to I have to deal with that for a little bit longer. Um, but it's all right, you know. As long as I got some place to lay my head, I'm good. I got running water. Oh, there's Paul Bass. I was wondering about word on the street because it's 100. <laughs> this is a 100 show. 100! Word on the street. We should have a party. I, I, something. We should do something. We should have balloons. <sighs> All right, this is the pressure is on for the 100th word on the street. Word on the street hits 100. See what happens. So I'm just waiting for Paul to log in. I see him. I mean, I don't see him. I see him. He's connecting to audio. So I don't know, boys and girls, what do you think? Who do you think this 100th person will be? I, I, I don't know. It could be anybody. 
he didn't give us a prior heads up. He didn't say, hey, I got this person. Oh, okay. Oh, somebody has to grab something real quick. All right. This is the 100th, 100th episode. <laughs> so I hope it's special. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure, Paul Bass. No pressure. You know, I can't believe it. When we started this thing, it's been nice. So um after a while we're gonna we're gonna um we're gonna start editing we're gonna start editing and then it's gonna become a book that's the idea i think we'll just pull it together you know i mean we'll make it a book and a slice, slice of a pizza since new haven is such a pizza city a little slice of new haven <laughs> With everybody's pictures and then honorable mentions on the back or on the inside or something. Like we could do that. I think it would be fun. I think people would like it. I would like it. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's a good one. But, you know, they've all been good. So uh, they've all been good. They've all given me some insight into my town. Uh, New Haven really is home to some of the most interesting people uh, and people who sort of blend into the shadows that we don't necessarily see, you know, and they have opinions. And they're, you know, and I, and I will say this, there are a lot of people who are doing so much good in this city that it almost goes unnoticed, the good that people do. You know, the the ordinary kinds of good, you know, like picking up trash and making sure parks are clean or making sure neighborhoods are clean. It's that kind of that kind of ordinary citizen. <laughs> OK, well, don't don't steal his car. <laughs> he must trust you enough to leave his car. Outside running. We see where the neighborhood is. I'll tell you. Hi, Bad. Uh, hello. How you doing? I got to like to introduce you to a gentleman named Rex. The Rex. The Rex. Um, you guys can't see me, can you? Here, start video. Okay. Okay. So I just came into Rex. Rex was driving down Elm Street, right? I'm gonna show you the back of his his flatbed of the U-Haul. He had some old rugs he's carting away. Then he saw these bags of trash. And he said, I got to stop. So what's the word on the street, Derex? Why are you stopping? I'm just seeing some stuff that needs to be taken care of. There's like some construction stuff in here. So I was going to take it out to the dump with You're not getting paid for that? No, that's, that's free. Why, why are you doing that? Just because I like to see the city clean. Uh-huh. And I've seen the bags here for a couple of days almost. And I decided to pick them up and, and go dump them when I go do my dump. And what kind of dump you doing there with the uh, rugs? Oh, that's just some rugs that I had cleaned out of the apartment for somebody. So somebody hires you to clean stuff out? Some, sometimes people hire me to clean stuff out. But that, that I didn't even get paid for that job. So. Why did you do that job? Just a friend? Just, yeah, just, just well, as a family member. Okay. So, Derek, you're in landscaping business, right? Derek's landscaping? Yes. And is that generally when the weather's warmer? Do you do, like, lawns and things yeah, like I that? Yeah, I do all, all, all yard maintenance. How long have you been doing that? For about, um... 
I started my business in 2016, but I've been doing it all my life. Oh, yeah? Did you just do it for other people or you just made it official business in 2016? I made it official business, but I didn't start the business till like two years. I didn't start working on the business for like, till like two years ago. Uh-huh. Did you used to work for other people? Is that what you say you've been doing no, it all your I life? Always, well, people always call me whenever they need something done, whether it's in the house or... I'm kind of like a handyman. You're handyman. <laughs> what do you do when the weather gets cold? What do you do in the cold, cold weather like this? How do you make your living? Well, usually it'd be snowing, and I'll go door to door to advertise for so shovel snow. Do you have a plow? No, I don't have a plow. I got a um, I do have a um, a snow blower though. Uh huh. And so, like this trash, you know, I see the Starbucks cups and things like that. You sure it's construction or no? This I could tell the difference. Okay. This these are this is trash. And this is more construction material. I see. And it looks like, does anyone have work done anywhere? I don't know. So now, do you think that once somebody leaves stuff out of there, instead of doing the responsible thing, right? You're supposed to bring it to the dump, right? right? If they just leave it out, does that have other people then dump their trash? Is that the deal? Well, they probably, what well, would the city probably started getting this? And they probably overlooked that because of this. Mm-hmm. But then the, the, um, then the animals start eating out of the trash. I see. And you can tell what's trash and what's not because what's bothered, you can tell the animals eat out of that. So the animals don't eat out of the construction. You're right. The bags are different, too, in the yeah. shape. So that, I mean, that's kind of nice of you to go out of your way. Did you do that a lot where you see something you just pick up and bring to the top? Yeah. Like, how often do you do that? Just, if I got a load that's already up there, like, sometimes I'll do a job and and, and then I see something, I'll take it away. Like, I know it ain't going to, I know it's going to be sitting there. i just take it away. Why do you care? Why do you want New Haven to look it, nice? It's just been in. Been in. Like, I'm what's the difference? I'm a, I'm a resident, and I like to see my city look nice. All right. That's what I was asking you. You like to see and your I, city look nice. And I try to contribute back to the community. Uh-huh. That's cool. And so, like, this rug job, where was that? Um, That was not too far from here. It's not too far from here. And where, do you, and where are you headed with all this stuff? I'm going to take it to the dump. Mm-hmm. The city dump. And do you have to pay to do that? Or they pay yeah, I have to pay to do it. So you're going to pay to take these bags? There ain't gonna be much more. There ain't gonna be much more of uh-huh. of with the load cost. That's why I'm gonna take a few of them. Then the next time, if they're still here, I take a few more. That's cool. And what do you got the rest of the day, Derek? Uh, I don't have nothing else lined up for today for work. Uh-huh. And where'd you grow up? Where? Yeah, but you like where? Uh, I was born in Ashby Street, uh-huh. two sixty-five. Before they tore it down. Before they tore it down, then we moved. My father bought a house in um in the hill section. Mm-hmm. Is that where you live now? No. What part of town now? I, I live in Kensington Square area. I live around. So this is close to your neighborhood. Do you yeah. consider this your neighborhood? Because sometimes people think my neighborhood is a block away. Some people think it's a whole mile. city. My neighborhood. The whole city is your neighborhood, <laughs> and you're three blocks from Kensington, so it's yeah. kind of also your close neighborhood. Right. And um, Babs, do you have any questions for Derek? Oh my gosh! So, so are you like? Have you always been like that? Like, who raised you? Your grandmother, your parents? Who 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 put this in you to like? Pay attention to well, my father. He was a your worker. environment. What did he do? He was um he worked he worked construction. He built the um buildings downtown. The federal building. He worked on that. Was yeah. he a mason or what kind of work? What was his role? Well, he, he he was a jack of all trades too. So he owned his houses. He taught me how to work on houses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. Do you know what he did on that building? Federal building is jack of all trades. You know what does he tell you? Well, he he did a lot of um he did a lot of the concrete work. He did a lot of the digging for the foundation of the building. Cool. Like and he was good with the jackhammer. And are we talking nineteen seventies? Is that the Jimo building, the court building, or the federal building, the new one, the newest one down there? Uh huh. 
An orange seat? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Not so orange, that orange seat. Um, um, it's not orange street. Oval. Church? Church. Church street, yeah. Federal building. Church. It's a federal courthouse. Yeah, the federal courthouse. The one that they redid that used to be Where there? the Bank of America is at? America. Okay, I'll take a look at it. See, so now you mean yeah. I get a little confused. Okay. It's the, it's the newest building down there. All right. So when you grew up, did you work on stuff as a kid with him? Or uh, he taught you how to fix stuff in the house? Well, he taught me how to fix cars and stuff like that. Uh -huh. and, and I didn't like running around. And then as I was growing up, I kind of grew away from what he was teaching me. I got into a little bit of trouble. Uh -huh. But then after that, I migrated back to what he taught me. And so how long how have you been making a living before you started your business? You said you've been doing this your whole life. Um, how was I making my living? Like, like five years ago, what were you doing every day to make a living? Same thing. Just not for your business? Right. Just, just, just personal. And you were able to make a living as a handyman? Yeah. Is that what you call yourself? You call yourself a handyman, a landscaper? What's the yeah, word I'm for Derek's? You're a jack of all trades. <laughs> So one thing you do is landscaping. It's called Derek's Landscaping. One thing is you clear out people's apartments for them. We're going to put your phone number so everybody knows how to get that help. What what else does Jack of all trades do? Snow. You did the snow. You did the snow blowing. To rebuild houses. You've worked on rebuilding houses. Like what kind of lately? What have you done? Remodeling bathrooms, kitchens, living oh, yeah? rooms, um, bedrooms. And you have a specialty like tiling or plumbing or what you think? Or, My specialty is landscaping. Landscape. What do you like about landscaping? I like everything about it. I cut trees down. It ain't nothing I can't do. And and, and trees, do you, cause you could do that this time of year. It's not too cold, right? Right. A lot of trees, been, I notice the weather, a lot of trees have been falling. Have you done any tree stuff lately? I haven't done no tree stuff in about two years. Two years, okay. Any other questions for Derek Spavs? Where did you go to school? Where did you go to high school? I went to school at, I went to school at, um, I went to Troop. Uh huh. I went to Truman. Mm -hmm. I went to Roberto Clemente. I went to Urban Youth. I went to East. All right. Those good schools? Sir. Yeah. And Cross. And Cross. Wilbur Cross. Wilbur Cross. What year graduated? Um, I didn't graduate. But well, what would you have graduated? Probably 2019. Probably I would have graduated. Okay, I was just trying to say you love you for my daughter. I was trying to see if you're the same. What was your dad's name? Floyd Robinson. Floyd Robinson. Is he still around? No. And he was, uh, his whole life, he was a construction worker, man of all trades. Right. Sounds like he was maybe your model, your hero, the guy you looked up to. Because yeah. he taught you how to do this stuff. Right. You know, it's always used to me how older generation, they teach you how to do something. That's kind of a gift, I think, because then you can do it. Even when they're gone, that's sort of how they live on in you, and you're able to provide for yourself. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I'm like, do you think how often do you think of Floyd when I you're think working? All the time. He taught me a lot, of, a lot of what I know. I learned a lot of new things, but he taught me a lot of what I know. Do you have kids? Are you teaching your kids? Yeah, I have children. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes I get to teach them, and sometimes I don't. How old are they? Uh, 13, 14, 15. Uh -huh. 18, 20, 27. Wow. I have a lot of kids. Man. 
Uh, do, uh, you live on Kensington? Do you own a house there? No, I don't own a house. Right. Not, not, not here. So all your handiness, you should own a house, right? No, I'm going into that. I'm, yeah. going, I'm looking into start to own a house sometime in the near future. What gets me is some people have come in now. i got property in other states. Oh, you do? You own property on state? Yeah. You go work on it? Or? No, I have other people maintain it. Oh, that's cool. So you do real estate investing? No, I haven't got into that yet, but that's my next level. But do you rent out those properties? No. You just own it? Yeah. All right. Are there any other words for Derek? Any other questions for Derek? No. Thank you for being our 100th person. And thank you for keeping our street clean. Yeah, you're the 100th person we've interviewed with Fabs on Word on the Street at WNHHFM. People going around town and making our city a better place. All right, Derek. Thank you, Fabs. Thanks, Paul. Paul Bass and Derek signing off from Elm Street. For the hundredth time, I love that. <laughs> love talking. WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. Thank you. See, that's what makes our city so great. I, I, and that's what I was saying before he even logged on. That I love when people just sort of take ownership of this city and they go unsung. Like no one would know that if, if Paul didn't stop him today, nobody would have known that he would have just picked up those bags and taken them to the dump. With, along with stuff. And nobody asked him to do it. He just, he just wants to see his city look nice. He's like, well, I'm on my way. I might as well take them. I, I like that. Because you know those bags would sit there. And like you said, the animals will dig through it. Then it'll be trash thrown down the street. Then the bags will wear, you know, the construction materials in the bag will wear out. So it's, I, I just like people who care, who take so much interest and pride in this city. I, I like that. I, I appreciate that greatly. I really do. I really appreciate that. That's the, It's these kinds of things that make this city livable. This is what makes a city livable. When you have people who care that much, you know, who, who see trash. And, and I see it on my own street, the, the, the little ladies who come out and sweep the street, who pick up trash, not just in front of their house, but down the block and you know, adjacent to them. They don't, they don't just like, oh, this is just my property. They, they take care of just about uh, 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 the next couple of properties over. So I, I understand that. I like that. I like that a lot. That's how I was raised. You know, I lived in Treasury South and, you know, people just kept their spaces nice. People just kept their spaces nice in front of their house because, you know, my mother was like, I don't want to walk out here and see trash you know and and and, the, and folks would women and men too they would wash the steps down like they would get some soapy water and wash the steps down too and wash in front of the house too like that's just that's how i grew up you know you sweep and then you wash uh it just was it was just a a, a nice uh experience it really was a nice experience as I think about that, you know, my mother kept a nice yard and she kept a garden, you know, a, a, fl a flower garden. My mother liked flowers. So we always had roses and marigolds. Those are the, her two favorite flowers. So, uh, so yes. So thank you, Paul Bass, for the 100th person for Word on the Street. Very nice. So uh, before we take a break, I got to do the... Uh, you know, the Love 146 PSA for January. So let me get into it while I am uh, sitting here. 
January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Do you know someone who was a victim of human trafficking? Human trafficking is a form of modern day slavery with illegal smuggling and trading of people for forced labor and or sexual and physical abuse. This is a worldwide problem as well is this is a worldwide problem as well as in our beautiful state of Connecticut. Traffickers target people, both boys and girls, who are vulnerable to promises of a better life and enforcing them to live and work in unfair and abusive conditions. Many traffickers are well known, living near, living near us and promising and convincing young people and families that their children will have a better life in a new place. Under the United States federal and Connecticut state laws, human trafficking is a crime. If you are a victim or know someone who is a victim of human trafficking, or if you would like to learn more about this serious issue in our society, please contact Love146 at 203-772-472. Four four two zero. That's two zero three seven seven two four four two zero. Let's work together to protect our children against these horrific crimes. This public service announcement is being sponsored by the Waterbury Chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. So, so every day in January, I'm reading this PSA and I'm putting out that Love One Forty Six number. 203-772-4420. 203-772-4420. That's love 146. So if you if you know anybody who is being trafficked, if you've been trafficked, um, if you want to help, uh, give them a call. Um, they have access to resources um, and they have people who um, can uh, handle 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 these matters. So all you have to do is just make the call, particularly if you suspect or you see. And uh, see something, say something. That's all I'm going to say. So, so yeah, so all of January is uh, Human Trafficking Month, and we will, Awareness Month, not human trafficking. Like, I'm not suggesting you human traffic. I'm suggesting that we raise our awareness so that you know what to look for. Uh, and if you see it, you can report it. Um, that's 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 what we should be doing so we could be on the lookout um so we can all work together we can all work together and help solve this problem eradicate human trafficking um, in the world and it starts right here in your neighborhood it begins in your neighborhood so that is the PSA for the moment so we're going to uh break I'll be back at 10 15 you know we take a little bit of a break uh, I don't have a guest today, but I will have a guest tomorrow, and I'm excited uh, for the guest tomorrow. And I'll tell you, tell you about them when I come back on the other side. So uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to play some music, and uh, I'll be back at uh, 10.15, so you can keep it right here. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Sometimes I 
welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I am delighted to be sitting in this chair on this fine Tuesday. So let me tell you, uh, weed goes on sale legit today. <laughs> Go get your smoke edible tincture thing on. They got it for you. It's legal to buy. I don't know if this is going to put your neighborhood weed man out, out of business. I have no idea. Unless they go pick up the good weed at the good spot and bring it to you. I have no idea. But I know today is weed day. The very beginning of weed day. Oh, it just seems so long. It just seems like yesterday they were locking people up for, uh, you know, copious amounts of pot on their person. <laughs> Oh, how far we have come, society. How far we have come. <laughs> ah, um, listen, I, I don't know what I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. Are, are people gonna I mean, will it be like a thing if you're seen at the at the weed shop buying weed? Like, or will it become trendy? Like if you're not at the weed shop, then you don't count. Do you know what I mean? Like what will be the what would be the vibe i want to know like what would be the moral vibe what would be the uh like how would people feel about this like if i saw if you saw your teacher going into the weed shop or you saw your cardiologist going into the weed shop like what what do you think do you have a thought about that i don't know i don't know and when i say i don't know i sincerely do not know but uh i'm going to pay attention to this little story um um, but the recreational dispensaries, I love that whole term, recreational dispensaries, <laughs> your weed shop, <laughs> your weed shop. I, I don't know. I, I think I want to go in um, just to see what the vibe is. You know, I guess it's the, I, I, I would imagine it's akin to going to like a fine wine shop or a wine shop. You know, you just. You just go in and people are knowledgeable about product, you know, and you say, this is what I, this is what I want to fix. This is what I want to support. This is what I, you know, you go in there and say, you know, I'm not sleeping at night. And they come up with a, a, a little bit of stuff for you to like, well, this ought to mellow you out. Or you go in there and you say, well, I can't really focus. And they go, oh, I got just the right kind of thing for that. You know, do you want to smoke it? Do you want to vape it? Do you want to take it in pills? Do you want a salve? You know, do you want a little tincture? Like, what do you want? See, I I, I got to go in and see. <laughs> I I seriously have to go and check this out. That's what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll come back and let you know when I find out. Uh, and I know I won't be the only one in there. I, I know I'll see other people. So I don't know. These are the days. These are the days. These are, and I know people who, who serve some time for weed. I know they're like, what? <laughs> what? I never thought I'd see this day. I was like, me either, baby. But here we are. Here we are. Uh, here we are. And, uh, Get ready for it. I, I believe Dulio is spinning records this weekend at uh, the Cannon. If you haven't been to the Cannon, it's a vegan vegetarian pub right there on Dwight and Chapel. 
they have a good they have good food there and and they have you know you know they don't have they're not they're not a cocktail bar so you're not going to get that cocktail uh kind of thing but it's a pub so you could get good beer you get you some jameson <laughs> you can watch a little tv you know they they are a, a home to a particular football uh, by football i mean soccer team um uh, I think they did well for the World Cup because people, they had a little breakfast menu because uh, World Cup started, some World Cups started like eight o'clock in the morning and people wanted to watch. And so so they set up a little breakfast action and people sat in there for breakfast. I was very impressed. I didn't go not near, near there during uh, World Cup. I, I went in there after World Cup games because if I tried to get in there during World Cup, I wasn't getting in because it was packed. Um, that I was, I was, uh, so I, I always went in between games, you know, uh, and that seemed to work well. Seemed to work well. It seems to work well. So anyway, I'm just saying, all kinds of cool places to be downtown. Uh, all kinds of cool, cool. Hey, Ife, Ife got a free pair. She's down there wrangling children at Hill House High School as a permanent substitute teacher. <laughs> go, girl, go. <laughs> go, girl, go. I, I, I don't know how people teach. I don't know how they do it. I, I, and listen, I taught, so I, I get it. You know, I ran Jumpstart for young children. So I, I, I prefer three to five-year-olds or grown-ups. Anything in between, I can't. I, I It's not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> it is just not in my wheelhouse. It's not in my wheelhouse. So, uh, but God bless uh, We all across this country. Uh, there's a teacher shortage across the country. Um, COVID has gotten teachers to, re, to reconsider and reevaluate what they want to do with the rest of their lives and teaching ain't one of them, you know, and, and teaching used to be considered a noble profession. Uh, but I think we've, we've, we've ran teachers in the ground and expected so much from them. We expect more from teachers than we do from parents. <laughs> ain't that something? <laughs> we, we expect so much from, from teachers. We expect hardly nothing from parents. <laughs> and that's not, I, listen, no shade to parents. I'm a parent. But I, I just think teachers take on a lot and and they're quick to shame you if you if you if you fall off script or or, you know, some kid gets out of line and you and you back that thing up, you know. And I listen, I'm I know there are some teachers out there who don't like kids. I get it. But the majority of the teachers I know, 99 percent of them, they were called to this profession because they believe deeply in education and educating our children specifically. So. Uh, but I think I think the education profession likes to scapegoat teachers for all the ills of society, you know, and un, and and deliberately and unwittingly they do it, you know. If if kids are not learning in school, well, it's the teachers' fault. Well, you're not teaching right, you know. And here's a new method that I need you to learn in in 48 hours so you could teach these kids. If these kids are not at grade level, it's your fault. You know, not no, no one talks about when kids show up in school and, and how they are prepared and not prepared for school, you know. And I don't want to shame or blame. I, and it's not about 
shame or blame. We as a society have enough of that around us that we don't have to pick. We don't have to pick a team. We can, there's enough, there's enough to go around, you know, but I, I, but I I do think teachers are under siege. I do. I think they are unfairly maligned. I think they're unfairly criticized. And I think they're unfairly made to heed um, um, all these children that come with all these problems, you know, or or not problems, challenges, so many kids with challenges. Um, So I, I remember when I worked at adult ed, I, I saw the challenges that kids faced, lots of them, lots and lots and lots of challenges. Um, and, 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 and teachers don't have the resources or the bandwidth to deal with every single issue that rises up. You know, old school teachers, maybe because, because nobody messed with old school teachers. Old school teachers could get you gathered. But now teachers can't do that. Now these kids want to put everything on Snapchat and social media. Oh, look at my teacher, you know, that whole let's slap a teacher day went viral and all these kids rolling up on teachers, slapping them. And before uh, administrations could figure out that this was some deliberate thing, teachers were were being unfairly, you know, um, suspended and unfairly called out, you know, because these kids was running up on them and they was defending themselves and they come to find out these kids is just playing games, just playing games for their social media likes and feeds. And so it's an and it and you know it happened here. It was happening all across the country before adults figured out. Oh, oh, this is a this is this is considered a prank. Like they're doing this deliberate deliberately. Yes, teachers are not arbitrarily beating the hell out of kids. They're not doing that. <laughs> Although some should. There are some kids that ought to be smacked to the ground, but we can't do that anymore. So don't come for me about it. I'm just saying, I've I've seen some of these kids in these classrooms. (laughs) They don't have any manners. And I know I advocate for kids. I advocate for kids. I want kids to get what they need. I want kids to be seen. I want kids to be heard. I want kids to, to express themselves. I know how hard it is to be a kid in this millennium. But still, yet and still, yet and still. So, yes, that TikTok stuff. So, it's just challenging. So, I'm an advocate for teachers. I'm an advocate for students. I think, you know, they, they're not divorced of each other. But I think, I think we need to cut teachers a little bit more slack. I do think that. I think we should have more grace for for teachers, and I think we should pay them more. I, I I do, and I I don't care what any. And this might not be equivalency, but we have no problems playing pay athletes whatever they ask for. We should be able to raise the salaries of teachers if we say we care about kids. <laughs> if we if we say children are the future. <laughs> if we if we truly believe that, then we we would prepare the future better. <laughs> I mean, if we if we believe that. You know, we have will, will, will. We have will to do that. You know, we should reconsider that. You know, so I don't know. I I don't I don't know if 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 te- if teaching is is going to reimagine itself into another way of being. I I would imagine that it will because another pandemic would really hurt, um, and another pandemic will will be upon us no doubt maybe not this year next year i mean we're still in a pandemic but 
some new thing that will cause us to be, you know, shuttered in. And listen, I just saw in the news where they, that um, uni- colleges and universities across the country are starting to require masking again. That's that's where we are, you know. And 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 the pushback. I I, I don't I don't understand how we can have feelings about a public health issue that goes against public health matters. I, I don't understand how we can allow how we feel to dictate what is necessary for our very existence. <laughs> I don't understand how people could get mad about wearing a mask when masking is the first line of defense to save your damn life. Why are people whining about this? I don't get it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I bet you if they said this mask, if you wore a mask, you wouldn't get cancer. I bet you everybody and their mother would be in mask 48, 24 hours a day. We, we, we'd be masking. Well, well, how about we just make it that serious? You know, we just make it that serious. Particularly people with comorbidities, you know, people with comorbidities. You know what comorbidities are, the things that'll kill your ass if you get COVID. Like if you have high blood pressure or if you have diabetes or some other other thing that is happening that makes you amino, amino compromise. I'm just saying. So I don't, I don't understand how people... The first, the easiest thing you could do to save your life and protect your family is a mask. It's the easiest thing. And the cheapest thing. It's not like you have to go buy masks or $25 for a five pack. It's it's not. (laughs) I got a whole pack in my car. (laughs) It's not like um, you got to smuggle masks across the border. You know, I think maybe if they would have came at this a little differently, that people would be indignant about getting a mask they would be like i'm outraged that i can't get a mask right like if it would have got down like that like only rich people were getting the vaccines (laughs) they would have started there i i'm just convinced that people would be like damn it i want my vaccine how dare you give these rich people vaccines how dare you not take care of poor and the most vulnerable Apparently, taking care of the poor and the most vulnerable was the wrong idea. <laughs> and then everybody went to DEFCON 12 about it. Oh, my God, they're picking us first because they don't trust this vaccine. So they're giving it to us poor and, 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 and vulnerable populations because they're experimenting. Yeah. You know, the, the, the one time that the government was trying to do the right thing, <laughs> Just seemed to be the wrong thing. <laughs> so you got so you got people who are just beside themselves. I'm not doing it. Oh no. And I'm thinking to myself, but if they would have went to affluent rich people first, if it could only be given at affluent clinics, you know, where where, where people get their Botox and and fancy manicures and pedicures and all that kind of stuff, or or private doctors. If if it was only if it started there. We would have everybody vaccine by now. <laughs> like if people were like hosting vaccine parties where they actually get vaccinated, like they do these Botox parties, then it would become trendy, right? Then it would everybody would want because everybody wants to be uh, uh, adjacent to the rich and the powerful. So if the rich and the powerful have something, 
then that means everybody else wants to get some kind of similarly shine from it. So I think I think the rollout was just backwards. I, and I get why it was rolled out that way, because in medical speak, the, the, the most vulnerable populations you want to treat so that you can slow down the 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 lives taken. That's the right thing to do. But in the world in which we live in, the right thing would have been make it exclusive first for a short period of time and then make everybody clamor for it and then put it on the street. Then And then just do exactly what they did, set up camps and tents and all the stuff and kiosks, and that would have been a better deal. That would have been a better deal. Then more people would have got vaccinated because they because people cannot stand being left out. <laughs> and historically, usually that's how it goes down. You know, affluence first, poverty second. But that's not how it went down. So I so I so I, I so I still think about people who just refuse to sort of be vaccinated and then refuse to say I want to be vaccinated again and again. I, let me tell you something. Um I, I don't have a fear of, of the virus. Only, only because I have an immune system that does not allow for it. But that's that's a very rare, unique thing that is unique to me. Uh, but I got the shots. And we went back and forth about this uh, over a period of time um, because we knew the shots wasn't going to help me um, one way or the other. But I did it because you couldn't get into places without the little card. So I just took the I took the shots. You know, I had to have surgery. So I had to have I had to have all the things in place, even though my team knew that I still had to have shots. I went, I got the first one, the second one, I got the third one. It's just easier to comply than to sort of like whip out papers saying why I don't need to comply. I didn't want to play that game. It, it was a losing game, you know, and it's hard to explain to people. And I'm tired of explaining people. I, I really am tired of explaining to people my, 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 uh, my, my, my allergy and how severe it is because people just think, you know, I'm just making it up. <laughs> And I think they literally think I'm just making this up. You know, I was like, okay, whatever. But do you, I, you don't see me eating ice cream. You, don't, you never see me eating dairy things because it would kill me. I mean, it would literally kill me. I know that. I don't, I don't have to pretend. I already, I already gone through all the things. I already, I've been intubated. I've been in a coma. Been, oh, I'm not trying to go back to that life. You know, in, in the early days of this, of this uh, allergy, that they didn't know anything about. Now they know so much. And I, and I belong in a network with people who have the similar, similar thing, you know, who have the same problem. And so, uh, and I'm on there. I mean, I get the newsletters and, you know, I, I every now and again, I'll read the whole thing. <laughs> so I know what to look out for because, you know, there, these, there are watchdogs out there who are always paying attention to ingredients. So people like myself would stay alive. You know, and and you'd be surprised how much ingredients change in 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 food products all the time. They're changing, they're changing ingredients, and and our and our and 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 are mad to share that information. 
you know, that get mad to share the information. So, so you have to have these watchdog organizations and groups out there to sort of monitor so that information can get to those of us who need it the most. Um, and that's the truth. And it was a long, hard fight to, to get uh, companies and manufacturers to, to put ingredients on labels. They, they just didn't want to do it <laughs> because they knew if they did it, people would, would educate themselves and, and, and maybe reconsider eating and, and putting in their body these, these, these things that, you know, you can't, you, that more consonants and vowels that, that are not talked about in polite company. So I just say all that to say, if the first line of defense is a simple mask, why wouldn't you do it? What What is it about the mask that is so egregious to you? <laughs> oh, you feel like it's infringing on your rights? You have the right to die. You, you do. What you don't have the right is to kill other people. See, that's the rub. <laughs> Therein lies the rub. Isn't that from Shakespeare? <laughs> Therein lies the rub. So I'm just saying. If the first line of defense is a mask, just put on a damn mask. What's the problem? I know it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. You know, because you're like, oh, I walk into space, I got to put on a mask, oh, I got to take it off, then I got to get a fresh one. Well, you put on fresh underwear, I hope, every single day. I mean, there's a lot of things that you do every single day that you have to do. You have to brush your teeth every day. You, you like having teeth. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like having teeth? So if you if you like having teeth, then you you brush your teeth, you floss, you brush your teeth, and you go to the dentist one or two times a year, depending on your insurance and what they'll cover. You know, because you enjoy having teeth. You do what they tell you to do so that you can have teeth. You know, I I what's hard about it? I, I find going to the dentist just as invasive as going to the gynecologist. Probably more so because they're in your mouth longer than the gynecologist is down there tinkering around. <laughs> All good, nothing to see down here. <laughs> Little swab with that long ass cotton, you know, cotton swab. You know, that's all it is. But the dentist, they all up in your mouth, open wider, turn your head, lights in there. All kinds of stuff, all kinds of tools, drills, equipment, equipment. <laughs> I find going to the dentist way more invasive than going to the gynecologist. The gynecologist is wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. The dentist, there's foreplay. <laughs> there's all the stuff. And then there's like after, you know, after it's all done, you know, you might smoke a cigarette with your dentist and be like, you know, that was pretty good. And by smoking cigarette, I mean, you know, you get a little mouthwash. That's what I mean. So I, I, I find the dentist more invasive. I go to the gynecologist, they're not, we're not, they're not lingering down there. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> like they're in there and they're out. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. In and out. Both sides, in and out. Dentists, not so much. I mean, they're in there, <laughs> tooth by tooth. So, so I, I, you know, I know, I know, women feel some kind of way, but I personally, 
I I think the dentist is, is wins wins for most invasive. Wins for most invasive. I I don't care. And then and then they have other people that have to come in and look in your mouth too. At least when you're at the gynecologist, this the, the gynecologist and the nurse. Not a whole bunch of people. <laughs> Go to the dentist. Somebody got to clean the teeth. Then the doctor's got to look at the teeth. Then the, 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 somebody's got to take the x-ray. I mean, it's a whole production. And it's invasive because your mouth is wide open. Your coochie cooch is not wide open. <laughs> they have to actually open it. <laughs> you put your legs up in the in the stirrups. It doesn't, it, it's not like open sesame. They got to go in there with the speculum and like, you know, like a jack. Like I got ratcheted open. Open it up. Take a look. All clear. Goodbye. Not so much at the dentist. Up and down. Cleaning, spraying, digging. You hear it? There's no noise at the gynecologist. You don't hear no drills or tools at the gynecologist. It might be a little cold. Now learn to warm those things up a little bit. But if you go to the dentist, it's loud. <laughs> I don't care how much music they pump in there. I don't care if it's easy listening, 70s rock. I don't care. It's still loud at the dentist. Those twos are loud. And they're right there in your mouth. So you hear them. Your head falls off. And this is what and this is what makes people anxiety go through the roof. <laughs> because them damn tools sound like power tools. <laughs> so in your mind, it looks like a big giant power tool. It's an itty bitty thing, but it sounds so loud. And you like, that's enough to give you anxiety. I'm not kidding. Y'all know. So Hands down for me, gynecologist piece of cake, dentist, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Now I know. Now here's the other thing. People don't like going to get their, their tatas photographed because that's really what they're doing. They're taking a picture of your breast. See where things are. Anything has changed. Anything growing, lumps, bump, anything. Now that I think requires dinner and cocktails. Because that's a whole production and they got to smush them up there. And, you know, my breasts, because they've been hacked some years ago, are not round and perky. They're not, they're not optimum. So it, it takes a lot to like push them up in the thing and get them sandwiched in. That's, that's, a, that's work. <laughs> that's, that's work. It's a lot of work. And you got to stand there and they're like, hold your breath and you got to suck it in and don't breathe and, and and then oh let me let me push a little harder and get up in there a little bit more and I mean it's a lot. <laughs> it's, they should offer you a spa treatment after that. These tatas get a workout. As a matter of fact, I'm having my breast my breast uh, my mammogram on Valentine's Day. I usually get it done around my birthday, but I'll be in Marrakesh. <sighs> I don't think the insurance will pay for a mammogram in Marrakesh. So I'm doing it in February for Valentine's Day because love. As such that they are, I actually like these babies. I mean, they, you know, I, I've been with, I've been, uh, my breasts have been hacked up, you know, for, I don't know, 30 years, 20 years now. 
Um, so uh, I had some tumors and they had to all be removed. And they tried to, you know, and that thinking was, we're not gonna, we're not gonna take the breast. We're gonna keep the breast. We're just gonna go in there and dig out everything. And they did a lot. And then when they put the, when they put them back together, I mean, they put them back together. And what it is, and so they just are they how they are. I mean, they're not. I used to have really good looking breasts. Now they're not so much. <laughs> and I, I don't lose any sleep over that. I, I'm not losing any sleep over anything about this body anymore. I have a fat tummy. It's a fat tummy. It's a fat tummy that hangs down. It, that's what it is. A fupa. I have a big fupa though. I don't care. I got like rolls on the side. And I don't care. I don't care. Now I got now I got scars on both sides of the hips because of the hip surgery. Scars. What am I gonna do? Although my doctor did such a nice job. They almost look invisible. I was I was standing in the shower and I was looking for them the other day. I was like, I know I have scars here, but they faded into my because I don't keloid, so I don't have keloid. I don't have keloid, but I think the, the the surgeon for the breast didn't do as good of a job as the surgeon did on the hips. But you know, this is thirty years apart, so I, technique is different. I'm sure thread is different. <laughs> All kinds of things are different. So if I had to do it again, I would reconsider how how it went down. You know, I think I would have I would have been a little bit more concerned about how, just I would just it would have just been a little different. So, but anyway, um, I'm just saying. So in comparison to all the things, wear your mask, go to the gynecologist, go to the dentist. Keep your health up. <laughs> That's, I got nothing else. <laughs> I got nothing else. That's it. <laughs> go to gynecologist. Go to the dentist. <laughs> have your mammography. Get it all done. Let's, let them run the test. Do it. You want to be on this earth? I want you to be on this earth. I want to be on this earth, so I'm going to do all the things. And wear a mask, damn it, if you need to wear a mask. And don't, and don't let people bully you about it. Wear a mask. Walk into spaces you don't feel comfortable. It's your health. Wear a mask. Because none of the people are going to be at your funeral. And none of them are going to have nice words to say about you. They, they, none of them. You probably These people who are bullying you about masks are just assholes. So see them as that and move in your life accordingly. <laughs> you need to wear a mask. Wear a damn mask and don't let people bully you about it. Stop it. Just stop it. I, I see people wearing a mask. I'm like, I understand. Because that means something else is that they have other things to consider than, than their own health. Maybe they're taking care of children or or or, or um, aging parents or, or, you know, they work in an environment where lots of germs or whatever, whatever it is. I'm always thinking that first when I see people in masks in spaces, you know. I think that, I think that, you know what? They don't want to bring this home to people. They don't want to risk anybody, you know, or they just don't want to risk themselves. And and that's a good enough reason right there, your own safety. So, <laughs> so wear a mask if you need to. Don't let nobody bully you. Go to gynecologist, <laughs> get your checks and uh, go to the dentist. 
because you like having teeth and get your uh, mammography. That's what I got for you today. <laughs> Those are the words of wisdom that I have for you today. <laughs> and now that I'm an old lady, uh, and I and I and I I I fully embrace being an old lady. I, I I'm in my 60th year. I officially turned 60 May 2nd this year. But when I when January came around, I stepped into an embracing 60. And uh, I, I've got to tell you, I like it. And especially when I meet people who are in their 70s and they are vibrant and just doing the damn thing. Like they're just killing the game. And uh, I'm just like, what? <laughs> it's killing the game. So 70 is the new, what, 50? 60 is the new 40. <laughs> 50 is the new 30. I don't know. I mean, you know, 60 these days is a little different than 60 when, when I was growing up and watching my mother and my and my uh, aunties and them, because uh, we didn't really know how old they were. I remember my mother turned 40, and I remember thinking, whoa, like that's ancient, you know. And little did I know she would be, she would, uh, she would have passed, she passed on at 57. That is way too young to die of things. Too young. Too young, young, too young. So, so when I hit 57, the anxiety was welling up in me. And when I turned 58, I was dancing in the street. So anyway, I'm back tomorrow. I've got a really great guest tomorrow at 1015. I think you'll like him. Um, He'll be my guest tomorrow at 1015. His name is uh, Anthony the Boogeyman Rucker. And uh, and you'll know who he is uh, when, when I when I talk to him. So, uh, you know, he, he is of that hip hop generation. And uh, and, you know, um, uh, a lot of stuff that he's he's done with folks. So he'll be here tomorrow. We're going to talk about uh, hip hop and what he's into these days. So so I'll see you all tomorrow. Y'all behave. And uh, enjoy this good weather because it's going to come to an end, people. You know it. I'll see y'all. Thanks, Harry.
the morning light. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning to the morning light. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning to the morning light. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning. Wheels keep spinning to the morning light.